Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Every Friday, Romano's saying, editor columnist for the Sun-Times joins us, but you're saying, wait, it's Thursday, not Friday. Why is she here? Well, because she was very accommodating. Uh, there was another guest. And Romano, let's not name that guest. Uh, it's been Now we're doing it as a mystery guest. So we're not, I know yeah. you know who that guest is. Uh, but that guest had a move from today to tomorrow for complicated reasons. Romano was very accommodating. So thank you very much, uh, Romano, for being accommodating. And um, But you know what? In some ways, the timing is perfect. Because, folks, Romano Hussein wrote a brilliant column uh, for the bright one today for the Sun Times, uh, I'm holding it up. It's in. I have the real newspaper. For me, it's not a real thing until it's in the newspaper. Uh, and, but you can read it online as well. City Council resolution denouncing discrimination in in India should be a no brainer. Uh, and I'll read you the lead. It's a great lead. I was in pigtails and braces watching an Independence Day celebration in my mother's hometown in India when a girl who looked like me decided I was inferior after I told her my last name, quote, Muslim, she said dismissively, turning to her friend. This was back in 1983, and luckily I wasn't physically beaten like the boy recently who revealed his and his father's Muslim name after drinking water inside a Hindu temple. But the girl's tone had just enough venom to relay spite. Uh, Ramana Hussein, uh, in today's Sun-Times, I urge everybody to check out the column. Uh, Ramana, use your own uh, personal... Uh, story there to get at the the violence and the prejudice that exists uh, in India uh, toward Muslims. Uh, yeah, and, then um, it, and, and then you brought it home to the city of Chicago. So take it yeah, away and explain. What, yeah, what um, I mean, first of all, I should tell everybody, I mean, I should tell you the opposition of this resolution. When I contacted some of the individuals, they were telling me they're like, "Well, this is my home country," and I, I had I told them, you know, it's a country my it's my parents' country too. That's where they were from. So, people like assume one of the fallacies or I guess misconceptions a lot of people have is that even though Muslims are a minority in India, there's a lot of us there. I think it's the second most populated popu population biggest population of muslims in the world so whenever people like meet me and they they see that i'm a brown person and i'm like oh i'm indian and they're like yeah but you're muslim shouldn't you be pakistani and i'm like no i'm not pakistani there's there are muslims in india so i'm i'm someone who has parents who are um born in india and i've been taken back there um many times and i can describe what's happening in india is pretty much what has happened in the united states where this unchecked um, racism against certain groups, and it's, you know, one thing I should point out is the current the current um, ruling party in India, it's a right-wing party, it's called the BJP, um, and they're very anti-Muslim, it's a very nationalistic group where they think India should be just for Hindus, 
And so they are, um, Muslims are the biggest minority, so we're the biggest obstacle for them. So there's been a lot, um, the last couple of years, I've seen, you know, anecdotally, I've seen it getting worse every time I go to India. And uh, so just the, the, you know, the rhetoric started off and now it's kind of like, kind of Um, attitude and um, actions of people where there's murders of Muslims, you know, cows are considered sacred in Hinduism, but you know, most places in India, you can't eat beef, but there are some Muslims who kind of sneak in beef, just like people sneak in alcohol in Muslim countries. And so, uh, you know, they are, they might be eating beef. And so if people suspect them, even suspect them of eating beef, there's like mobs killing them. And in in a lot of cases, people aren't charged with any crime. Um, There are some people who are. So there's all these like little incidents. Um, You know, Muslims have been in India for a long time. And a lot of things related to Muslims are taken off like brochures, including the Taj Mahal, which was built by a Muslim emperor. Um, you know, it wasn't, they didn't give any reasons. There's one thing if they said, like, you know, this emperor did this, this, and this, and that's how we're taking this down, similar to the way statues are being taken down in the United States, but it wasn't. It's because it's a Muslim-created, you know, artifact or something that, you know, a lot of people see. So a lot of things are taken off history books. So it's just this campaign of anti-Muslim bias. So anyway, I got contacted by a lot of people from the South Asian community, and this isn't just Muslims. I actually... Uh, talked to um, one gentleman about the situation, and he he's a Hindu, from Hindu American, and he's the one that told me all, and he's somebody that backed this resolution. So this resolution. Wait, time out. Let's just let's just back up and explain uh, yeah, the I'll, resolution that you. Yeah, you go ahead. Sorry, this is. I know there's a lot of things going on in this column. That's what I was telling my husband. I was like, there's so many things going on. It's kind of hard to write. It's hard to explain, especially people who don't know that much about India. So this resolution was brought by a group of um, a coalition of mostly Indian Americans. Um, There are many different religious groups, including Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, and they uh, and Sikhs. And they came up to um, Alderman Maria Haddon. This is in the summer. And they said in light of India's Independence Day, which is in August, they said, we'd like to present this resolution because we want to say what's happening in India is wrong and it goes against India's constitution. And so um, they contacted Alderman Haddon. And the resolution basically, you know, honors, originally honored India's Independence Day. And then it said what's happening in India is wrong. It just condemned and it kind of listed along things, a long list of things that um, the Prime Minister Modi has um, unveiled or kind of uh, kind of laws that he's enacted in the last couple of years and, you know, why they're wrong. And it wasn't really that long of a resolution. It was probably less, about three pages or maybe less. Anyway, there was a group of Indian Americans who caught wind in, in about the um, resolution and they were offended by it. They were offended that anybody was calling out the BJP and Modi. And so there was this campaign to get this resolution kind of knocked off and so it's kind of like they went back and forth um the mayor's office negotiated the language helped negotiate helped in the negotiations of the language and so as a result what the ending resolution is it's um like a less than two-page resolution basically there's two paragraphs in there that the city council is expected to vote on next week one paragraph is from alderman joe biden's website about um 
this law. It's called the Citizen Amend- Citizens Amendment Act, which is discriminatory towards Muslims. And I can explain that in a little bit. And this national registry um, that was taking place in the northeast northeastern state of Assam. And I can explain that, too. So basically, those are both policies that are discriminatory towards Muslims. And I can explain a little bit more about them. So there's that one paragraph and this other paragraph from this like human relation or international, this U.S. um, Human uh, Rights Commission. I think I'm saying it right. Whatever. But but I'm probably giving the wrong name. But it's a U.S. group basically telling India to respect the rights of all and uh, condemn anybody who, you know, incites violence against protesters and journalists. Those are the two paragraphs. Anyway, there's still a lot of people um, against the resolution itself. And that includes this uh, the group from Carol Stream that is represented by Alderman Joe Moore, who Maria Haddon actually defeated in 2019. So it's kind of interesting as a little twist there. Joe Moore is working as a lobbyist. And I did call him and he guided me towards um, the gentleman that I quote, the doctor that I quote, who... Um, is opposed to the resolution and i'm starting to get um i should tell you right before i got on the show i'm starting to get emails from people who are against the resolution um should tell you one guy in light of the atlanta shootings he's like he goes one while we we asians are in pain why inflict more pain on this by introducing this resolution so people are using the atlanta shootings as uh they're saying that maria haddon is like causing more pain on the in Asian community by calling out India. So it's a it's a very interesting thing. I, I have to say that most people on city council, if there was a resolution denouncing Trump, they would have no problem with it. One of the things anecdotally that I know is that a lot of people who support Modi are also Trump supporters. And it's just interesting that they're bowing down to the interest of people who probably support Trump and his policies and are worried about it. I mean, my guess is, I mean, reading between the lines is that these are donors or people who are starting suddenly throwing money at these different like politicians. And I just think it's kind of sad that it, it took us so many months just to get a resolution like this passed it passed. I know it's like a symbolic resolution. It doesn't really change what is happening in India. And some, you know, some of the people who are against the resolution told me they're like, well, why not have a resolution on this country or that country? I mean, bring it on. Nobody's stopping you. The thing is, it's a symbolic resolution just saying that this is wrong and it doesn't really jibe with the ideals of this city or the country of the Constitution of India. So I just thought it was kind of disheartening that this is a resolution that is symbolic and it's taking us months to like figure out what language is appropriate. And this is the time, this is at a time when we are reexamining the whitewashing of our past. And like, why do we have to whitewash the future? I mean, the current, the current, the present. So that's, I felt, I I felt a lot of emotions about it just as an Indian American Muslim. And just as someone who was born in the city of Chicago, who lives in the city of Chicago, that this is so difficult. It shouldn't be that difficult. And I know I, I probably explained it like, you know, I tried to explain it in a way that people who don't understand that much about India can understand it in the column. Well, I, I feel that uh, people who've been listening to you on the show uh, over the last two years are familiar with these issues. This is, I think, the introduction for many Sun Times readers uh, who do not also 
uh, listen uh, to the show. We've talked about uh, the hostilities uh, by the Bodhi administration in India toward Muslims, uh, the nationalism in that country, the connection between uh, Modi and Trump, the rally that was held in Houston uh, earlier last year where Modi was there, Trump was there. Uh, and that's sort of the uncomfortable position that um, uh, many uh, representatives, Democrats are in because they support Modi and yet their constituents are against Trump. So there's that uh, conflict and all this boiled into this resolution that was going to condemn a discrimination against and harassment against Muslims in India and the politics of India came into the Chicago City Council. And I'm sure, Ramana, most aldermen no, I mean, I'm I'm not insulting them. They're not paying attention to what's going on in India. They got enough issues dealing with what's going on in their wards. And suddenly they have conflicting people calling them on the phone going, yeah. don't listen to this. They don't know what they're talking about. Blah, blah, blah. And the audience, what am I supposed to do? I want to get along with everyone. Uh, and, and then you got Joe Moore, who, as far as I know, has never been there, knows nothing about India. You know, Joe Moore, my old friend, the alderman of the 49th, former alderman of the 49th Ward, he used to be an independent, then fell in love with Mayor Daly and Mayor Rahm. He loved Mayor Rahm, ladies and gentlemen. Don't put a resolution in there condemning Mayor Rahm, Ramana. Joe Moore will be on your phone. Just kidding you, Joe. No. Uh, so anyway, it was a really enlightening story about how Chicago, um, it's not exactly the best venue to deal with the complicated uh, international issues. I would love to hear your response to what that gentleman, whoever it was, I don't know the, the, the dude's name, who, or maybe it was a woman, I thought you said it was a man, but anyway, I sent you an email, called you up, whatever it was, to say, how dare you? Yeah. I, inflict I, I, more I, pain. I, Go ahead. I have to say, like, I was telling my mom about the article and one of the things I know that um, journalists are another group of people that the BJP has cracked down on. And one of the things that scares me is like, will I ever be able to go back to India again? <laughs> and so my and so like, so I was kind of worried. I'm like, I hope a certain group of people doesn't see my article, but I shouldn't say that because I want to say what's right and what I believe in, because that's more important to me at the end of the day. And if I don't, if I'm not able to go to India, it just proves my point with the article. But anyway, um, so I got two emails so far. I'm probably going to get a few more. One gentleman is basically just saying that, you know, you're one sided. And I'm like, this is an opinion piece if you didn't read this. So I'm going to send that. So the second guy, um, I didn't even get a chance to respond to him. My husband, Mick, your friend told me why even respond. I'm like, because I'm just so annoyed at the arguments that this person is making. But to say that Asian, to use the Asian American pain of what happened in Atlanta to say that this is adding, inflicting more pain. Like, why can't you call out what's wrong is as something wrong? And they're saying that Haddon is using this as a political tool. This is just a resolution. This is a piece of paper. You're the ones that are making it into a longer political issue by butting into it. So I don't know. I, I think I will respond and say that I don't think this has anything to do with what happened in the shooting in Atlanta. And this happens to do, you know, and if you want to do it, if you want to propose a resolution for another country, nobody's stopping you. And I, I do, I, I put this in my, uh, my um, column. I doubt that if Pakistan, if the government of Pakistan was called out in a resolution about the discrimination against minorities there, I don't think anybody in the city council would care if somebody from Pakistan or a Pakistani American from a different like suburb 
or different like state because there was you know one of what the gentleman that i quoted in the interview he sent me this like four page rebuttal the resolution from a group in new jersey so i doubt that any alderman would really care what anybody from pakistan would have to say so i'm just saying if this also plays into the bigotry of what people think is acceptable from which country um india has always been praised as this country of like democracy whenever people in the west talk about india they're like oh yeah the world's largest democracy and you know my friends and you know my friends from pakistan especially always laughed at that they're like oh god i hate when americans always act like india's like this like great country where everybody's treated equally when it's not true and that's like you know that's what the united states too we talk we've been talking about that so you know people think that anything that happens in india cannot be as bad as what's happening in pakistan or the way people treat people in pakistan so it's just this double standard and i think that when muslims are victims people are kind of like hemming and hawing about what to say because they're so confused because often muslims are painted as the villains and so now when you have Muslims being the victims, everybody's like, oh, I'm confused. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not, and it's not that confusing. You pick up a paper or read, you know, and that's, <laughs> and that's no, your like, imitation of the confused person. <laughs> it just made me laugh. I'm sorry. Um, so I, I did the one thing I have to make uh, clear because I can't remember. Did the resolution pass? Yeah, no. actually passed the Chicago City. Go ahead. So when I was first told about it, it was actually, and it's really funny. Do you know Michael Shannon, the actor? Yeah. Well, I don't know him, but I know who yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah anyway. Mike. Hey, Mike, have a beer with me. Come on. <laughs> so, you know, the funny thing is this resolution, I was told about it by my husband, Mick, who's not clearly Mick is not an Indian American, but he's the one that told me about it. He's like, Hey, you know, Alderman Haddon is proposing this. I didn't think anything of it because honestly, I thought it would just pass. And then like, I think of, of like three weeks ago. So this this resolution got bounced around. It was first, in, in, I think, introduced in the city council, and they're like, "No, we can't have this." You know, once you know, certain people who opposed it found got wind of it. They're like, they wanted it off. So then it got kicked back to the health and human relations committee. I hope I'm mentioning the committee right. But anyway, uh, so all of a sudden, Michael Shannon shows up on the Zoom chat or whatever, uh, you know, the city council, whatever venue they have it or whatever live stream they have it on. And he's like defending this resolution. Michael Shannon, the actor. And so Mick's like, did you see somebody tweeted about they're like Michael Shannon is defending a resolution that's calling out (laughs) human rights violations in India. So I was like, Michael Shannon. And I was getting all confused. And then my, my, some people that I know who are Indian started telling me about it. And they're like, did you hear about this resolution and all this drama that's going on? I'm like, no, but I heard Michael Shannon was there. I think Michael Shannon's a friend with someone who backed the resolution. I think that's what it was. Yeah. I was getting confused. I was like, what's Michael Shannon have to do with India, but he's defending the resolution anyway. So people started texting me and emailing me about it. And so then they're like, do you think anybody would be interested in covering it? And I can tell you that I knew that any other reporter that wasn't Indian would probably just be confused by all of this and would not really get it. So because I knew all the intricacies, I'm like, when is this supposed to pass? So this, the committee meeting was on Thursday. They're like, Oh, it's supposed to pass on a meeting tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, that's too, I I don't have time to write something about that. But anyway, lo and behold, Alderman Brookins um, asked for it to be tabled. And that was one of the things I wanted to call Alderman Howard Brookins. I wanted to call him and go, why did you have table this resolution? And it was back the table, the tabling of the resolution was backed by Alderman Ed Burke and Ray Lopez. And so I called Brookins twice, two or three times. I've called everybody on this like two or three times and then it get back to me. He never got back to me. So I have no idea. 
So then I was told, oh, it's not going to be kicked until it's going to be kicked until March 24th. It's supposed to be in the agenda for next week, but let's see what happens. So it hasn't been passed yet, but I thought it'd be get good to get it in before it's going to be considered again. Yeah, no, uh, well done. And I'm surprised Howard Brookins uh, didn't call you back. Or I guess I'm not surprised, but he should call you. Come on, Howard Brookins, 21st Ward Alderman. Ramana's married to Mick Dumpke. You love Mick Dumpke, okay? See, welcome to my life, Ramana. Can I just say this? I said that the, the, the name, if they made a TV show about my collaboration with Mick Dumpke, it would be Everybody Likes Mick, okay? So they go, why can't you be more like Mick, <laughs> you know how many times I've heard that? Why can't, he's a nice guy. Why can't you be more? So now you're experiencing well, a little of that firsthand. Well, I have to tell you the story. Um, I called Alderman Moore and I told him, I'm like, wow, I got your number from my husband. I know he knows you, Mick Dumkey. And you know what Alderman Moore, former Alderman Moore said? He goes, oh, my condolences. So <laughs> that's <laughs> guy humor. <laughs> yeah. Guy humor. Uh, your husband (laughs) guys will do this so like uh they 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 think this is a standard guy joke uh so they come up to a a man and a a wife they know the man they're just meeting the wife and they go uh why would a beautiful woman like you marry a dork like him (laughs) and they think that's funny you know i mean it's like i don't guy humor it's oh my guy um Powerful piece. I urge everybody and there, uh, everybody to read it. You want to know how politics works in the city of Chicago, and uh, they venture into something they think is a gimme. Oh yeah, we'll pass this resolution. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Everybody will love us. They don't really know the issue. And next thing you know, there's two sides calling them up. Now, now they're in a panic. They really don't know what to do. You got the mayor's office. Like the mayor Lori Lightfoot doesn't have enough to do. They're negotiating this resolution, <laughs> taking this paragraph out, moving this paragraph in. Does that does that appease you? You probably have congressmen on the phone. Don't pass that resolution. Got it. You know. So uh, welcome to Chicago politics, uh, uh, India, Muslims, Hindus, Pakistanis. It's an interesting place. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, and the column broke. Oh, geez, the day after the shootings in Atlanta. And I know I wanted to talk to you about the shootings on Atlanta. Eight people killed, uh, six of them uh, Asian-Americans. A man has been arrested, a 21-year-old white guy. uh, And I sent you his homework assignment, Rex Hupke's column in the Tribune. I thought it was an excellent column. And you had already articulated many of the same points to me that Rex did. So I guess great minds think alike, yours and Rex Hupke. Uh, about <laughs> the different standards. And look, listen, I, I got to press, I, I have to uh, say this up front, innocent until proven guilty, obviously. Okay, okay. That's, that goes without saying in our system of justice. But the cops are basically saying, this is the guy who did it. And then they go, he had a bad day. Yeah. That killed eight people, Romana. Eight people. Uh, there's a couple other, I think, in the hospital, seriously wounded. Eight, and he had a bad day? Do you imagine, like, the L.A. police with O.J.? Hey, he had a bad day. You know, it happens. <laughs> I mean, I, I, help me, Ramon. I need help with this. Go, help. Uh, you, have to, you, ha- you have to help me. You have to help me <laughs> because I, 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 I am at a loss without. I'm at a loss of words, and you know, this year with the coronavirus, um, I think 
I hope I'm quoting um, stats I've seen, but violence against Asian Americans have ri- has risen. You know, you have someone like the former president saying that this is a China virus. So you have people going after Asian Americans and, you know, calling them slurs and it's just left and right. And this is, you know, particularly focused on the East Asian American community. And so as someone, you know, who's Muslim, I know I hate to bring it up again, but it's, I could probably kill someone and it could be over something that has nothing to do with my religion or my culture. I could just be having a bad day, as this guy said. Um, Like I could have just didn't like the way this guy looked at me and I pull out my gun. I don't have a gun, sorry. But um, I'm just giving, it is an anecdote, people. Um, I pull out a gun and shoot him. Trust me, they would call me a terrorist just based on my name. And, they, you know, as soon as people would see this, even reporters would be like, see my name and be like, I got charged with a crime. And they're like, was this terrorist relate, terrorism related? Everything is terrorism related when you're brown or have an Arabic name, Middle Eastern name. And whenever you're a white guy, it's a mental illness. With this guy, it's a sexual addiction. And that may be true. He said that, you know, he wanted to, you know, these places like, I guess, triggered him, like these um, massage or spa parlors. And but if if I went and suddenly shot a bunch of white people in churches, I think a light bulb will go up on people's heads. But nobody's kind of connecting. Like, you know, I think it's a job of journalists. Like, you know, you have white people making determinations about what a hate crime is. And most officers, police officers making comments like this are white people. So it's like, I think journalists need to point out certain things in the context of well, what's been happening in this country, even if like the police doesn't call it a hate crime and said that this guy is just having a bad day. I think law enforcement and government officials need to be called out. So I think it's very triggering for a lot of Asian people. So a lot of people, a lot of Asian women, East Asian women are talking about how they're fetishized and they've been fetishized by the American culture for so long, how they're objectified and treated. And a lot of Asian people are just talking about how they're just sick of people of color being painted as one thing whenever they're arrested with a crime. But whenever there's a white person charged with a crime, there's all this need to humanize him. And, you know, it's okay to humanize people and say that, hey, you know, we thought he was a nice, nerdy guy and he goes to church. But if I said I went to a mosque, they would go go to my mosque and start examining what exactly happened at the mosque. What was said at this church? That's my question. It's like, why why is that a good thing? And if I got arrested, going to the mosque would be a bad thing. So it's similar to the way I look at the way journalists and other people treat white Trump supporters like, oh, they're misunderstood and, you know, they're cute and cuddly and they're just, (laughs) you know, and, 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 and I, and I understand that like, yeah, you should humanize them fine, but then humanize other people as well. There's never that need. There's never the knee jerk reaction to humanize other people who are arrested for crimes as much as there is for a white person. And this includes white women too. I know, like we said, white women always think they're not part of the problem, but they are. And so, and so it's like whenever a white guy gets arrested, now it's like going to be sexual addiction. It's now mental illness is also sexual addiction is also added to the list. So it's just, I think that's what was triggering for a lot of people is that, or a lot of Asian Americans is that why do, does every time a white person get arrested for a crime or charged with a crime, there's this need to kind of, Put it, put it, you know, not put like the blatant 
you know, think blatant comments that are put onto other people or blatant descriptions that are put into other people of color when they're arrested. So I think it was, I think there was a lot of good discussions. I don't know if you're on, I know you're not on Twitter that much, but a lot of people were on Twitter <laughs> talking about it. Um, the Asian American Journalists Association actually put out a guideline for journalists. And I'm sure they, they put out a statement about the shootings and how journalists should be handling this. And I think given light of what's going on in our country, I think it's good to listen to these different journalist organizations about how to cover events like this. And I even saw someone said that, you know, when broadcasters mention the names of these victims, it's good to learn the pronunciation of these names before people go on air and try to pronounce it just to be respectful. And, you know, and there could be a language issue, but that also shows like in terms of finding out who these victims are, because we don't know that much about these victims right now. And that just proves that we need more journalists, we need to diversify our newsrooms because it's like we need people to know how to talk to different communities of color because a lot of people are pointing out that, you know, we don't know who these people are, who these victims are. Usually when people are killed in a mass shooting, we know so much about them or we learn about them. And people are saying, well, maybe it's a language problem. Well, that's why you need to hire more journalists of color and, you know, more Asian Americans or more Latino Americans and African Americans, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, remind me when I was listening to you uh, on that riff, I was thinking of uh, the book that uh, we both read this summer, uh, Isabel Wilkerson's Cast, and uh, it's a tremendous book. I urge everybody to read it. Uh, and it's not a book that I, I mean I feel as though I just got to say this. It's I don't think it's an accusatory book. I think it's a, it, it's an explanation. It explains. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I think you just got to back off sometimes uh, from that reactionary attitude to criticism and just think about what the critics are saying. And sometimes it's hurt. It's it's painful to do. But what what Isabel Wilkerson, one of her main themes is that we are all, all of us, absolutely, mm-hmm. every single person in this country, white, black, Asian, Gentile, Jewish, et cetera, and so forth, has these notions that are like baked into their brains from the moment uh, they're born about who people are and what, like, like uh, empathy with one group of person and hostility or fear to another group of person, another group. And essentially what we're seeing in with these incidences is that in many cases, whether they realize it or not, or not um, white police officers have an empathy with white people that they've arrested for horrific crimes, charged with horrific yeah. crimes. And they don't have that empathy oh, yeah. for a black person. Uh, and it's just, it's so obvious. It gets every moment, every like every significant event like this, it points out. And we see this, we see another example of this, uh, not every single one, but in many yeah. cases, uh, we see another example of this. And I brought up OJ. You're, it's, I don't. I always say you're too young to remember, but maybe you do remember OJ. No, the, I remember the passion. Oh, the yeah. passion that white people had about the crime that OJ committed, and the need for every black person in this country to uh, criticize. OJ and it just it was so deep and it was oh. you know and by the way for the record I can't stand OJ I didn't like him as a football player 
Well, I, I, I was a, I was a young young twenty something, early twenty something when it happened. But yeah, that was the that was that was an interesting reaction just to watch. We didn't understand. Like I remember I, as a brown person, you know, I remember the reactions of the African American community, which I understood, even though I, I knew I felt like OJ was guilty. That was my opinion. But then, like watching white people their reaction to it like my brother was like why are they all crying you know what i mean it was just like this crying because it was racially it came down to a black man killing a white woman and it kind of it kind of um and a white guy or yeah sorry a white guy I forgot two about people killed who was from the sub- suburban chicago by the way yeah so the goldman family I, I, or he i think they lived in buffalo grove for a little bit right? so, yeah there was, there was a chicago connection when it happened yeah poor guy um yeah but so it was just like watching it, like from this perspective of someone who didn't belong to the African-American community or the white community. It was just like, I felt like white people were just like crying over it. Didn't Chris Rock say that he didn't see that many white people sad since MASH was canceled or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris Rock's pretty funny on this. He's gotten a lot of, look, I just want to say this right now. Neither Ramana nor I, I'm speaking for Ramana and I meet myself right now are in any way condoning those murders. They were gruesome, horrible murders. But we're just talking about the symbolic resonance of the murders and the different reactions that occurred then to what went down in Atlanta. And I'm just saying we see it all the time. We just, like, people bring all their worldview, their prejudices, their angers, their hatred to these individual events of these horrific crimes and they and they that symbolic weight is added to them. That's 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 what we're saying. But you know the Chris Rock joke uh which I say all the time on there where he goes um when uh when black people are talking about themselves and white people are around, they go, yeah, of course he did it. Of course he did it. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock, man, this guy's a funny guy. But you know, Of course he did of, it. Speaking of OJ, did you ever watch the documentary on OJ? Okay. We've, I think we've had this conversation. I did not watch. I watched you, the uh, Ryan Murphy's eight no, part. No, 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 no. Fictitious. You got to watch, uh, watch the documentary. It is so powerful. It is it is it is so interesting. It's it's about the OJ murder, but it's also about race and just what this trial meant about yeah. our our like our culture. It was it's it's very good. Sorry. Know, every everybody lost their mind with OJ. Everybody. Everybody lost their freaking mind with OJ, guys. Let's 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 be realistic now. And now all these years later, David Chappelle on OJ is pretty uh, funny too. I urge everybody to check that out. He does a whole thing about his, his different, his uh, shifting views of OJ as time has gone on. It was his last special David Chappelle. Love that man dearly. All right. Uh, so um, uh, enough about this horrific stuff. I guess we should close. Oh, I just had to point out one thing. Uh, I, I owe this to Frank. He sent this to me in the morning and I just want to give you a shout out, Frank. It was a, such a revealing story in Wisconsin. We talk about resolutions. I sent this oh, to yeah. Ramana as well. Here in Chicago, they're like writing the resolution, rewriting the resolution, talking to the Indian council. You got Joe Moore working the phones. Okay, <laughs> Joe, I hope they're paying you. And uh, <laughs> up in Wisconsin, they pass a resolution honoring Rush Limbaugh. No problem, baby. 
Oh my but god! It's speaking of Rush Limbaugh when he died. Remember how we were talking about how I had never really watched him, and you know, my my father passed away like in two thousand and six. But my younger sister's like, she goes, I remember Daddy like coming home and Rush Limbaugh was on the cover of Time or Newsweek, and my dad, she could hear my dad slamming the magazine in another room and going, "Son of a bitch!" And then she was like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> Your dad swore. <laughs> and so, and then he, then my sister's like, she didn't know why he was swearing, but she goes, she, she knew it was because of what was ever on the cover of the magazine. And then she goes, she goes, she went into the room and then she sees Rush Limbaugh on the cover. So that Rush Limbaugh's death reminded her of that, you know, my dad incident with my dad. And I didn't even know my dad wouldn't know who Rush Limbaugh was, but apparently he does or did. Uh, he uh, broke through somehow or other. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, all the things to uh, honor in the state of Wisconsin. All right, we'll close with me um, uh, giving you a shout out. I've started watching Wayne. Usually uh, we every Friday show with Romano is a recommendation. So I started watching Wayne, uh, your recommendation, uh, and I'm enjoying it. It's a really weird show, but I don't know, maybe speaks a lot about me that I like it so much. But again, I'm just going to make this point. Romano's going to accuse me of being Donald Trump, but I'm going to make my point. Uh I am sick and tired of actors coming over from Europe and playing roles that Americans should be getting. Now, the kid does a great job uh, as Wayne, but he's an Irish kid. And like, why, you, what, you couldn't find somebody in Massachusetts to play Wayne? Uh, and speaking of which, I just saw I read an article about the Aretha Franklin eight-part series. A British uh, actress is going to play Aretha Franklin. Couldn't find an actress in Detroit, huh? Reese is from Detroit. Couldn't no one in Detroit. Sorry, sorry, Romana. I know I sound like Donald Trump. Uh, you have any recommendations you want to make before you head out the door? Well, I know you're going to find this very lowbrow, but the Kardashians, <laughs> the Kardashians are uh, the last season or the last part of their you know run is starting today. So I'm sorry, I'll admit I will be watching that. I do want to watch the '90s. Uh, sitcom i don't know uh show on punky brewster punky brewster's videos like it's like i think it's called 90s kids or something like that and then i do want to see um on netflix I, it's called behind her eyes something to do with eyes bono the sing lead singer from u2 his daughters in this series and i've been hearing some buzz about that show i'm probably calling it wrong i was going to look it up right before i came on the show but i'm going to watch that but i, I did I was going to ask you if you liked Coming to America. Oh, my God. Uh, I did a whole riff on Coming to America. So let me just say this. I'm going to do a whole show on Coming to America. Uh, I watched, rewatched the original Coming yeah. to America with T.O. as opposed to Coming Number Two. Oh, you're clever, Eddie Murphy. You're a clever guy. Uh, and loved it. And then never got around to watching the uh, new one because I watched the Grammys oh. on Sunday. So uh, I will watch. It's pro I'll probably watch it tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really loving Eddie Murphy. Uh, I watched this interview that Eddie Murphy did with uh, Trevor Noah. I, it's it's so politically incorrect that I, I don't want to repeat what Eddie Murphy said. Uh but I have to make a confession. I was roaring. I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan. I love the guy. I think he's a genius. And so I will looking forward to watching coming number two America. Uh, have you watched it yet? I did. Remember we talked about it? We talked about it um, last I don't remember week. anything. <laughs> I, I, I did see I Care A Lot. I saw that on Netflix last week. Wait, I can't remember. We actually had a conversation about coming to America last week. Oh my God, we talk, we've been talking about coming to America. R twice. Romana, 
you know what? It's either the age or the marijuana from the 70s catching up to me, but I, I completely forgot that. All right, well, I will watch it tonight, uh, or definitely by the next time you're on the show, I will uh, have watched it because I'm going through a whole Eddie Murphy thing. And I think I'll send to you the thing he did with Trevor Noah. It's okay if you go bad, it's not funny. Okay. Uh, but I thought it was pretty funny. All right, uh, Ramana, stay uh, safe and sound. Thanks for uh, making the accommodation for us and coming on Thursday, all right? No problem. Take care, guys. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.